0: And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. Welcome to episode three of Star Trek Stories. I am, as always, Jaron Hatch, and I am joined here by my lovely co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron.
1: Hi, how are you? Good. I feel feel lovely. You
0: should feel lovely.
1: (laughs) Um, Episode three, here we are. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah the conclusion of our little mini beginning of Star Trek saga here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This does feel like end of a little bit of a mini trilogy to Mm -hmm. kick the show off already. I mean, you can't see it since you can only hear us, but it does feel a little more official this time, doesn't it?
1: We're getting real. That's what it is.
0: If you're coming on for the first time with us, Mm -hmm. um, Aaron and I have just watched the first two pilots, so we're kind of looking at like, and these are like the original pilots, the 1964 pilot, the 1965 pilot, the two like prototype episodes they did to try to get the show going.
1: Yeah, so if you want to catch up on all that, go check out our first two episodes. Yep. Uh, uh, and now, this week, we're watching the first episode that showed up on TV. Um,
0: so you have that to look forward to. As we're getting this ball rolling, please give us your feedback. Let us know in the comments what what you like, what you don't like, if this is working— um,
1: uh, yeah ideas uh, uh, your Star Trek stories you know like really we, we are doing this because we want to hear all the Star Trek stories beyond the episodes we want to see new perspectives on the show that we've never seen before mm-hmm. Star Trek has permeated so much of our lives I feel like it can get stale I don't know so it's, it's nice to have that fresh take and Star Trek is such a ubiquitous timeless thing mm-hmm. that I'm sure people have a lot to say it's a very opinionated
0: fan base. Yeah, well, speaking of people who have things to say, um, we have our very first guest host, a very good friend of both of ours, Tyson Baker. Hello, Tyson.
2: Hi, guys. Woo! Uh, yeah, but I'm- I'm a pleasure to be here, guys. A pleasure to be here. Jaren and Aaron are sitting on a couch, and I'm sitting in the captain's chair. And that's how they treat their guests. And I am privileged to be in this captain's chair. He He actually does
1: have the the command sequence to self-destruct the entire show. He's absolutely got that control power. He's in
0: the captain's chair. Um, Tyson, so let's start with a little bit of our personal connection. Aaron and I have already talked a little bit about where we are coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have mentioned that we used to all live together.
2: Yeah. I mean, the base story of that is we all met in college in doing theater and found out quickly that we had this connection of Star Trek. We shared experiences watching the episodes and talking about Star Trek and how much it affected our lives and, and each in their own regards. Like um,
1: it was basically like an uh, uh, official frat house of, mm. of artists. Yes. Like yeah, very yeah. bohemian, very. Oh yeah, very sticky. <laughs> Yes, very sticky. Sticky and stinky. Full of, full of dude smells. Yeah, like, like, like young adults trying to just figure it out. Yeah, and Star yes. Trek was one of those things that brought us all together. Well, we,
0: we all watched it all the time. But Aaron and I definitely like it started earlier for us and it started earlier for you as well. You have your own little uh, personal story with Star Trek before we even all lived together.
2: Um, Yeah, my grandfather and I, uh, whenever I would um, go visit my my grandparents on my dad's side, my grandpa liked to watch TV, and half the time would be watching Next Generation. And I was a 12, 13-year-old kid, maybe even younger, and it was just exciting. It was very exciting. Just the opening credits of Next Generation and like the Enterprise D going into Warp Drive the most epic thing. Um, and I, gra- I felt like I graduated beyond that. Um, my mom signed me up for a space camp when I was in sixth grade down in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Um, this space camp, it's similar to astronaut camp or whatever that's based off of NASA, but this space camp took the Star Trek universe and made it your situation. And so they would assign kids to play the captain and play the second officer and security officer and engineer. You got put in the middle of these situations where you have to weigh out moral consequence. It made it very pertinent to me and my imagination because it was such a hit with these kids. Because I think there were a lot of kids who went to this camp and were like, oh, I feel purpose, I feel emboldened. And it made you kind of think about the stars, and think about other problems outside of where we grew up in Utah. Ultimately, like you, you kind of had this escape, but also it was there was a great deal of meaning in it. It It's persisted throughout my life.
0: I remember this is one of my favorite stories with you, Tyson. Is um, we planned this little event for ourselves? We did it like over like a weekend or something. I can't remember. I think it was two or three days. We would watch an episode of the original show. Then we did like a next gen, then a deep space, then a Voyager, then an enterprise, then circle back around. And we kind of did like this, like nine times.
2: Yep. it was a deep delve. And
0: Then there was like, it was like Saturday morning or whatever, we woke up and a big group of us went to space camp. I remember I got to be the captain and I was the last one who got to come on. And i still was just, we were in this elementary school, but then like, it was basically like going through like the wardrobe in Narnia, but into like the Star Trek world.
2: That's exactly what it was like, Jaren. Oh, yeah. As a kid, like you experienced that. Like you, I, mean, I had to have my friends to experience it with me. We love Disneyland here. And I feel like they were trying to create this experience where you were just immersed. Star Trek Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. Star, Star Trek Disneyland. Disneyland. People have said, I've heard from people who go to the Chris, who have been to the Chris McCall Space Education Center or a derivative of it is like, it's better than Disneyland because you aren't just riding the ride, you are a part of the ride. It's you much more to, immersive. You have to make choices.
0: Yeah, and getting to be like the captain and everything. Like we all just, I remember we all just, we were all kind of like joking about it beforehand. Like it was almost like we were coming in with this attitude of like watching a mystery science theater 3000 where we're just going to kind of it's going to be silly and stupid and we're just going to make jokes but when we were in it doing it like it was like a, a switch flipped and everyone was taking it so seriously and like the st- like the there was music playing yeah. like you would hear explosions our ship was being boarded by aliens the sun was about to explode yeah. we may have accidentally sold some people into slavery <laughs> um to, but but we but they were going to die that was like our only chance to get them off of there was we had to sell them in slavery Yeesh. we promised all that we at the federation would most certainly look into it <laughs> It just made it so
2: pertinent. That's what I will say. You get assigned positions. Here's your mission. You have to go and there's this star that's going supernova and there's a planet right next to the star where it has a billion people on it. And you have to figure out how to save these people. I mean, this The teacher, Victor Williamson, um, came up with this idea in like the 1990s, early 1990s. And all he had was an overhead projector and he would give his the kids in his classroom he he was a 6th grade teacher he would give his cl- his kids like these paper controls and whenever they used a certain button they would have to cross it out and he would draw pictures of starships on the overhead and put it up there and i think people latched onto that idea of like oh i see what you're trying to do here so he got grants from the school district to create to take this space in their school like a classroom or i think it was a storage room actually and turn it into this two-story deck of the USS Voyager is what they call their, their ship. And I don't know, man, there was something magical about that place. Oh man. Um, It's full of heart. Oh yeah. So much love.
0: Yeah. One of the things I think that's going to be fun having you on the show is because you, like Aaron just said, like, it's so full of heart. And I think that's where you come at things with this heart on your sleeve kind of a thing. And just because you've had this actually like physical childhood experience with something like this, it, It's like this imagination become reality thing. Yes. Um, And I think that's going to be, that's a fun perspective to have. That's the thing, the
2: the term I latched on to when I was at that, they used imagination so much in their mission statement. And um, it ultimately is about your imagination and how far can you stretch your imagination?
0: Mm. Uh, Well, we're about to see how far um, the writers and cast and crew of the 1960s show, how far they took... Their imagination with this very first episode that ever aired, The Mantrap. That's what we're going to be watching here today. And see how far we can stretch our
1: suspension of disbelief. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, jeez. Um, yeah. So today we're watching The Mantrap, um, first episode that ever aired back in 1966. This is what they decided to premiere the show with. This was actually the sixth episode they produced, like we said. Um, as we go into this one have in mind this question of do, how does this work as a first episode how does this work as a as a story to get people into something both like as star trek and maybe
2: generally as like a television show
1: right you gotta you gotta look at it for what it is it's very dated from the 60s
2: yes and that's the thing i think aaron is like it, it is the 60s like i feel like our most pertinent thing is like we watched the first episode <clears throat> excuse me the first episode we watched the first episode of stranger things it's like people know how to like hook you in but back in those days like everybody kind of was excited about the apollo program and like the space aspect of where humans were going and i think that's kind of the thing that gene Roddenberry kind of leaped onto along with like buck rogers and kind of these pulp ideas of space um, and um, and how, and how that portrayed to that, an audience in that time. You know, I think it's important to remember the context of the 1960s, ultimately. You really have to think about Star Trek, I'll, I'll, along with all its kitschiness and its datedness, you know what I mean? There's something quintessential in what they're trying to convey. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, I think we talked a bit about that in the first episode, about how uh, his vision was so, so fleshed out already. Even in that first episode, you can see that that future that he had in mind, Mm-hmm. crystal clear. Like like Tolkien level world building, even right? totally. Like you don't see all of that on the screen, but you you see the potential there.
0: Just the details. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if you're listening at home, uh, we're gonna invi- invite you right now to go queue up this episode. Um, you can find it on Paramount Plus. I think it's the second episode. Um, if you bring up Star Trek, the original series, I do think they list the cage first.
1: As episode zero. Yeah. As episode
0: zero. That Pike? That's the Captain Pike pilot, yeah. Um, and then right after that, they just have this as the man trap. Um, so it should be episode two of Star Trek, the original series on Paramount+. Plus. Um, go ahead and cue it up. And right now I'm going to go ahead and set up a little bit of context for you. Just to kind of set the stage in your head, just kind of imagine this. Have this going through your head as you start this episode. Um, So imagine it's Thursday, September 8th, 1966, 8.30 p.m. LBJ is currently the president of the United States. The Civil Rights Act is only a couple of years old at this point. The Vietnam War is raging, but hasn't hit the breaking point yet. The biggest movie of the summer has been Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes is on its way to topping the billboard charts. The biggest shows on TV right now are Bonanza, Gomer Pyle, (laughs) The Lucy Show, Red Skelton, Oh, yeah. And Batman, starring Adam West. Oh,
1: yes, We'll have to start another
2: another podcast on Batman. Batman. What a glorious time for TV.
0: Um, (laughs) Twilight Zone and Outer Limits have ended their runs by this point, and the only real sci-fi game in town is the family-friendly Lost in Space, which we mentioned on, like, the first one. Um, You've just finished watching an episode of Daniel Boone on NBC, and now you see a promo for this new show debuting now called Star Trek. Curious about this new show, you turn out the lights, snuggle up with a pillow, and watch as your brand new color TV lights up with a mighty starship orbiting a mysterious planet.
1: your last subspace log contained an error in the frequencies column.
2: Mr. Spock, sometimes I think if I hear that word frequency once more, I'll cry. Cry? I was just trying to start a conversation. Well, since
0: it is illogical for a communications officer to resent the word frequency, I have no answer.
2: No, you have an answer. I'm an illogical woman who's beginning to feel too much a part of that communications council. Why don't you tell me I'm an attractive young lady, or ask me if I've ever been in love? Tell me how your planet Vulcan looks on a lazy evening when the moon is full.
1: Vulcan has no moon, Miss Abura.
2: I'm not surprised, Mr. Spock.
0: Uh, we just watched an episode of Star Trek Holy cow The Man Trap um, Let's get into some initial thoughts Tyson It's the uh, man in the captain's chair
2: What did you think of The Man Trap? Um, uh, it starts out right in the middle of a mission and, and they instantly dip into their, the relationship They set up these main characters And it's just almost instantly Just You care about the relationships of these people like in the captain's log, they give you enough context of what's going on. It's space, and everybody's like, oh, cool, it's space. You see the Enterprise flying over a planet. And then it dives into the, the crew dynamics of like Kirk is issuing orders. Some people have oppositions, but he's just like, go do it. And you're kind of thrown into the story.
0: There's so much they throw at you real quick. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, Aaron,
1: yeah. I thought it was a very strong episode, it's, it's a lot better than I remember it the last time I watched it years ago, whenever that was. Um, to me, it felt like a beautiful hybrid of the first two pilots, like there's a few similarities of, of the main antagonist and the original Pike pilot. There's a lot of that space western that you see in the second pilot.
0: This even feels more western, just checking up on people out in the frontier. Right. What's going on, do you need anything? And then they stumble into something.
2: Was McCoy in the, the second, episode second episode when Shatner showed up? No. That's just some See, old and man that's the introduction of McCoy. And DeForest Kelly has this past with Western movies. And I, I don't know how much the writers were thinking about that, but also the 1960s were this era of like, we, had, we love Westerns. We love like The Lone Hero. We love these kind of like aspects of that culture.
1: And McCoy, in a lot of ways, is is the missing piece yes. from the first two attempts at the show. Like, the way he just fits into the show, just his performance, it's like, yeah, that's that's who would be aboard the Enterprise, is that guy.
0: Mm-hmm. I think specifically, the thing I walk away with, like, it's the production values. Now, granted, do they hold up to nowadays? No. Those ruin sets, looks like they'll just fall over if you just, you know, lean on them Phone too core. much. Boop them. <laughs> but... You can tell they're, like, they're doing the best they can. I, It doesn't come across as being unprofessional. I think it comes, it's very much the opposite. Like, you can tell, like, hardcore arts and crafts filmmakers are doing their best to make this show a thing. And, like, they want you to buy it.
1: Right. And we're watching it in HD, which mm-hmm. nobody had access to at the time. Like, I'm sure it looked a lot better on a fuzzy screen coming through on an actual television signal. You know, like oh yeah like the quality they relied a lot hides a lot of Mm
0: -hmm. sins certainly it's fun though to watch now in the HD though like it does give you more of a sense of like the filmmaking craft that goes into it which is fun like but but from an academic point of view to some degree but even just like the presentation like someone is much more colorful than the first two Mm -hmm. and they really play a lot like there's so many colors jumping at you in every every scene because Kirk's wearing this mustard gold shirt Spock and McCoy are wearing these blue shirts. Yes. The planet is very, like, I dust-colored. It just feels hot and dusty, like the little detail they do with William Shatner's, like, sweat beads and, and then all, like, the dramatic shadows and lighting on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. All, everything that just really plays up, it's very heightened drama. That's the thing that's, that thing stands out to me the yeah. most when I watch this. I'm like, that's what comes across the most to me, yeah. certainly okay. compared to the first two.
1: Lots of jewel tones. Yeah, very dramatic shadows and and lighting throughout the episode. It's exotic. Camera angles. Yes. Really exotic camera angles.
0: Um, So basically what this story is, I mean, you just watched it with us. So it's basically the story where they find a creature on a planet that needs salt to live, and it can shapeshift to look like anyone, maybe some kind of telepathic abilities. Like it can kind of read thoughts and just be what you want it to be. It's essentially a monster movie compare especially compared to the last two where star trek does genre hopping like this compared to the first two this is a monster movie um how does this how do you guys think this works as especially with the context we set up how does this work as the very first episode does this work could this work better um could they should they have picked a different one what do we think aaron
1: you know no i think it's it's a great first jump into the series um uh, I was thinking all the way through, like, man, this is this is so much better than I remember it being. Like, I remember the first time I was watching that, it's, like, kind of corny. It's a little whatever. Maybe I just wasn't quite buying into the 60s vibe of it. But this time around, I'm like, yes, this is a good science fiction story. It's It's got great character development all the way through. It's engaging. It's intense. Uh, yeah, everything you look for in a good TV show, you get it right there in that first episode.
2: It's like, yeah, I would keep watching this. Hell, yeah. Mm. What was, I'm, I'm sorry, like, after, what was the first pilot about? What was the synopsis of the cage the, with, with William Shatner, I should say? Not the, the first wh- pilot. Yeah, so the first. The cage part, is with Pi- uh, Pike, right? Pike,
0: the Talosians, mm-hmm. like, he's in the menagerie, the zoo. Right. And, like, all the Im- like illusions that he goes and lives through. Um, and then the second pilot is appropriately titled Where No Man Has Gone Before, that's the one where they try to probe outside of the galaxy and they hit this energy field and it ends up like shocking some of the crew members and giving them like psionic powers. And like Kirk's like best friend is one of them and he basically comes like a god being and eventually Kirk and the crew have to like destroy him. Fascinating. And then, and then we have this. Yes. Again, this is not the third episode they made. This is six.
2: What happened to the other two? Do you know? What do you mean? Like the other episodes? Yeah.
0: So yeah, they had to have a decision about what they were going to air first.
2: So, so were there, were there not were their episodes not were not that were not aired that didn't make the cut?
1: Yeah, I don't think Pike's episode ever got televised, right? Like Pike's much, episode much later.
0: Yeah, it doesn't get aired until I think the first time it actually hits the airways is like the nineteen eighties. But they do like, but they sneak it into one of like a, that two part episode of the original series where they. Captain Kirk and crew are looking back at the events of that episode. They sneak it. So they sneak it into the actual show. Um, where No Man Has Gone Before was aired third. It was not aired first. It was aired third. Um, they were worried that that episode was too expositional mm. to be a good first episode. Um, and I remember even you said you weren't as engaged by that one right. compared to the first one. Um, and then there were some other ones they considered but they decided on this one just because it was like the most basic like there was, it wasn't a super high concept right. and it kind of gave you just a sense of especially the space western motif and and then all the crew members like they kind of got a sense of all like just to set up the crew and everything and that's so they decided to go with this one though funny enough this was the one i believe the cast was least proud of at the time and they did not want this to air first but
2: Huh. But this is what the executives decided to air first. I found it fascinating too. Um, toast to Nichelle Nichols! My goodness, my goodness, what a beautiful woman Nichelle Nichols was. We should, is. yeah, we
0: sh- we should put bring it put in for context. We are watching this episode on the day Nichelle Nichols died, yeah, and it was just announced t- today.
1: Right, I got that notification.
2: And I mean, at that time, like how you set that up, Jaron the time period thinking about that like civil rights movement all those things but then you slowly get introduced to um sulu as well um and you know it's predominantly a white cast like you can i mean in a modern context you think about that but at that time i feel like that was i mean they're making a statement and but but as the as the episode started, it's like just business as usual. It is just business as usual. We're doing this mission. A problem shows up, and it's about how everybody is kind of dealing with that. But also, mostly, I, I, I because it was the pilot episode, like it's about the relationships of between the crew members, which kind of makes you care about the crew. That's why it's not about like the the you know this big event, and you're like. I don't know, like a supernova or something. Like you think about the space acts aspect. No, it's about the crew and it's about their relationships and how they deal with the problem. It makes you aware of the human capacity. Comp-
1: I think you see that a great example of that very early on in the episode when Uhura is talking to Spock. And, and the weirdest thing is not that there's a woman on the bridge. Or something like it was in the original pilot. The weirdest thing isn't that there's a black person on the bridge or something right. like The weirdest thing is that he's an alien that isn't feeling. Like other than that, mm-hmm. this is like a very routine, like, yeah, business as usual, everyday mission that we go on. Which, Which makes, makes, him so too. Too. Makes, makes him so endearing too. Makes
2: him it makes him like, Oh, this Sad guy doesn't emotion. understand emotion. He, like <laughs>
0: he's very cold, but he is also very endearing. It's an interesting little dichotomy he yeah, has.
1: It's, it's a, a chemistry. chemistry. It does a great job of showing how much Humanity has
2: evolved. Mm. All that stuff. And those costumes though. Like you mentioned the colors before, but like the high boots, like <laughs> the, uh, the women's like awfully like awful short-cut dresses. <laughs> like they were yeah. I mean And
1: then at the exact same time the mini skirts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we and should
0: probably big... we should probably mention the mini skirts. So this is the first time we see the ultra high miniskirts that leave basically nothing to the man. They're basically wearing so the the women, female crew members, are wearing essentially long shirts with no bottoms, but it's a mini skirt. <laughs> Which would be completely. It leaves
1: nothing leg. imagination. If it was, if it was leggings, like, it'd be fine, but it's like pantyhose. Pantyhose. Yeah, it's right? dark
2: tinted pantyhose. Yeah. Like, apparently that's, that's the style that's in twenty twenty two, like fifty four. Like, like, what, like, what the? years. Yeah, twenty two fifty four. Oh, oh my god! It's like just a parade of legs.
1: Yeah, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere you look, legs well, and high boots and, and leather.
2: <laughs> and that's something I <laughs> kind of wrote down in my notes. I'm like, I mean that that was the culture back then, man. We're we're living this moment where it's me too. It's like women have been taken advantage of. I mean, and I think these guys were ahead of their time, but that stuff was still. I'm not to de- detriment to the whole thing that Star Trek is, but you can kind of see it. There's this kind of male, like, and you watch when you watch the episode you can see men kind of like oh there goes look, and it's kind of and, yeah and my, yeah there's the scene with totally the guys in the right g- now like <laughs> it's, it's kind of, of, of a, like okay he,
0: he. there's the scene with the three guys just leering after yeoman rand right <laughs> yeah. um well wouldn't you like to have her as your personal yeoman yeah. there's yeah. definitely like a little bit of a madman vibe about the enterprise
1: totally madman
0: yeah, you know that. the secretaries all wearing the all in red yeah and with these, like, Uhura's hairdo, Yeoman Rand, her hairdo, her beehive hairdo. Beehives left and right. And just these kind of, they're both very kind of, I mean, they're both great, like, they're both great and fine characters, but they also have definitely much played up as the sex symbols of the show.
2: As Jane, Jane Kirk is, too. But, but yeah. You know, dude I, is a handsome dude. dude. When you see him, like, I was just watching a clip of him, I'm like, I'd go gay for Kirk. I'm oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you let Shatner hit
1: it and he knew it too
2: that's the disgusting thing he know he's, he's known all his life he's a beautiful man, has beautiful man who has this presence
0: certainly like season one he sells the whole William idea
2: yeah. and a little bit of season
1: two like he, he has a, a kind of a Chubbs period and then he goes back to super fit mm. and, handsome and then he goes full season three Kirk
0: yeah and oh, we're getting cancelled my god
1: oh my god look at those little meat pies they gave us for lunch I'm supposed to be shirtless in this episode god damn it
0: but then we're also getting lines, you know. They do they do show the man as being beautiful, but it, we're also still getting lines about the crew member at the beginning who, like, he sees the creature, the salt vampire, as like this woman. this beautiful woman, and he's just like, "Oh, madam, yeah, it's the damnedest thing. You look like this woman I left on Wrigley's pleasure planet." Just
2: <laughs> <laughs> Wrigley's pleasure planet. You, i want yeah. to go to wrigley's pleasure got to you don't double your flavor Double your fun oh my guys. you don't hear Wrigley's pleasure, pleasure men
0: <laughs> you don't hear lines <laughs> like that about the men
1: oh, not, not at all yeah the women don't get their their dirty talk it's, it's true,
0: true no which
1: is an injustice
0: um but you know that being said yeah Uhura's great yeah i think she's great like that scene with she has with spock she has so much presence I think it's they flesh like
2: her out as a character. A character. It, like, they get, like they get, like you it's get like, a no, sense. You get a I'm sense. I'm not going to have you play this stereotype. I feel, I feel like that. that she's she's the, communications the communications officer on the Starship, Starship Enterprise. Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And she, she likes, likes this alien. alien and it's like, it has this, like it totally ahead it of its time, time, man. Totally ahead of its time.
0: Compared to like lost in space or like Daniel Boone, which would come on right before this. Just all white people. Compared to
2: all the
1: white shows are today. Right. Yes. Today, even today, we yeah. still struggle with
0: it. Yeah, we also get George Takei as Mr. Sulu. Right. He's That's great as well. I think he has a really good presence. Like, he has a very commanding voice and just, he has a very, like, youthful, like, you know, because we had uh, earlier, like, Lieutenant, bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, white dude, but Sulu feels much more of like he does have that youthful, go get him energy, but he is very professional very capable, the little we see him.
1: Very understanding, too. Mm -hmm.
0: And then we also see him as having, like, interests, like botany or whatever. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, his quarters are sick. Um, Yeah, understanding, I say, because, like, when the Salt Vampire just walks into his quarters while he's having dinner Mm -hmm. or whatever, and he just looks at him all weird, and he's like, Green, how are you? (laughs) You know, it doesn't flip out. He's he's just very calm, very collected.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think generally everyone comes off you know even though there is the kind of madman element with like the women there is also that other yeoman that's serving Kirk dinner I mean, on the bridge and she's got the tray holding it for him and everything but I will say everyone does come across as being they don't play Yeoman Rand or or Lieutenant Uhura as being like ditzy secretaries they both come across as being very competent very professional There isn't, there's not a lot of distinction between the men and women as being like professionals all trying to figure everything out together like that thing and that comes across really well there's a good sense of camaraderie and familiarity with the crew i think in this episode certainly compared to the last two Totally,
2: i think yeah what you were saying before um i think you have to view it through through the 1960s lens like i mean that's how they understood the world there was this rampant kind of thing in the movie industry and and, and Gene Roddenberry and these guys had this idea to, like, no, I mean, I don't know. It, it, you have to give and take a little bit. Like, they have shots of men just kind of like Oogling women, but he's writing out a whole plot line for a woman, an African American woman. Yeah. It's not
1: perfect, but they are trying and, and they're doing a good job in yeah. certain places.
2: They're falling short
1: in others, but like, yes, very progressive. Especially yeah. for the time. Ahead of its time. Yeah, how
0: does this, how do we think this works now?
1: You know, I think if you were to see this episode revamped on Discovery or something, it would absolutely play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same story, better graphics, you know, uh, new characters and whatever. But yeah, it's it's just a good story. Good storytelling. Uh, the script is solid. Um, I think there would obviously be some differences in how it's shot and how the, how the characters are portrayed especially the women but yeah uh, i think it it holds up this is a this is a good episode of television
0: um i think for me um i think where this works best is like if you just because this is probably like yeah one of the first episodes people are going to watch if they're watching it on like paramount plus Mm -hmm. or discovery i think the thing that i think that the network executives are right about is definitely like how it sets up the characters, how it kind of sets up their people out on a ship doing out there. on Like it's it kind of sets up just kind of, it, it feels like just another adventure for the crew, but in a way that sets everything up. It kind of gives you a sense like, okay, I, I get, have some idea of who these people are and what I can kind of expect going forward. And then like, okay. So they felt they solved what was going on here. And we're gonna move on to some other world and see what happens there next week. And it sets up everyone's job and kind of like a little bit of like how life on the ship works and like just a general sense of what their mission is. Um, it, it's a mo- it's a monster movie and, and like okay, and I think it, and it works fine. Enough of that. The one thing I wish this had, I think the first two episodes had a better like thema- like thematic cohesion or something they were speaking to thematically because in the end I just in the end I'm like it does feel like it sets everything up it's just it is just kind of a monster movie they do kind of a little bit address this idea of this is the last of its kind right
1: a little bit they uh, touch on that
0: a li- they. and they make a reference to like at the very end like cuz spoiler alert they kill it huh? and <laughs> um cuz it's it ends up killing all these crew members and Kirk is just very like people are dying i have to stop this now um professor crater the archaeologist on the planet he's like you know but it's a living sentient thing you know it's like i'm not going to help you hunt it down aside from like my loneliness problems like and that it's my friend now like but it's also the last of its kind i can help you kill it
1: it touches on that too and it says it needs love as much as it needs salt yeah like Mm. it's it's been as lonely as it is hungry
0: no one's willing to give it any kind of benefit of the doubt. Like, mm-hmm. they don't even try to, like, communicate with it, really, or, like, even stun it. They just, it just becomes, we have to kill this thing. Um,
1: Which is what happens when you come out of military operation in a hostile manner.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kirk comes across as being very military. My men are dying. It doesn't matter what this thing is. I have to just destroy it now because people, too many people have died, and nothing can justify any more deaths. And But at the end, he does have this kind of, I don't know, like wistful line of like where Spock comes up. It's like problem captain. And Kirk is just like, I was thinking about the Buffalo, Mr. Spock. And it's like, you just killed the Buffalo, Captain Kirk. You know, you do, you do realize that. (laughs) Um, That's like the one thing that's my biggest criticism is like, there's no, I think Star Trek does tackle this kind of thing again in the future and better in the sense of, whatever this creature or monster it is they learn real quickly that it's not just a creature or a monster and i we don't quite get that here it ends up just being something to kill and i think originally like the original writers did have that the moral dilemma of killing this was going to be a bigger part of it like the buffalo analogy but then gene ronberry did come in and toned all that down gotcha and made it more functional it's like no let's just make it about getting the thing. And then there was also more emotional drama with McCoy and like the l- love interest that also gets toned. It's still there, but like all those elements are still there, but severely toned down. It's not really what the episode is about. Yeah. That would be my biggest, like if we were doing this episode now, if like discovery were doing this or strange new worlds were doing this, I think there'd be much more emphasis of like, this is not just a monster. This is
1: something... We're talking about how we killed off the buffalo or something. Yeah. right. right. But it kind of makes sense that they focus more on McCoy and that love story because he is a new character. Yeah. uh, And he is going to be one of the leads.
2: And you have to have that emotional connection. And I think Kirk says it in his... Again, I go back to his first captain's logs. like McCoy has this history with one of the um, archaeologists on the planet. And... Again it like I kind of goes back to the relationships of all these people like and that I yeah what you expressed just now Jaron and Aaron um it, it, it adds, it's like it's not I mean yeah there are these things that they're investigating, but it's ultimately about like the dynamicism between the crew members and and each of who they are like Spock um being I, I love Spock is such a Crucible, or or like this, like idea, this like spontaneous, where like it's like you take an idea of a a creature that cannot empathize, or like emotion is as kind of shunned upon, and so it makes them kind of endearing because humans are about emotion, I think, and to have that idea, and I mean, like it works theatrically, and um. Mm.
1: It does because it's hard to conceptualize from the perspective of something, a creature that does feel, you know, right. it's hard to see like how that's possible. Right. right? So you, And you see that struggle with that. And characters.
2: Uhuru is the first Which person, person to, to go kind of like, that's like like your first interaction other than I think when when they show Captain Kirk's log and they show like this shot of the Enterprise, but then they show um, Spock sitting in the captain's chair and he uh, has these pointy ears I also think it's like that's TV, man. Too it's like oh, what's this thing? And and but you're just hearing this voiceover of the idea of everything, and then it like you see, like that's the all the that's all the exposition you get. Ultimately, it's like there's an alien commanding a ship, the humans are down on the planet investigating the shit. Like they got to figure this out. Like <laughs> and and then you see Kirk, and it's like oh yeah, because Kirk is this like. He's this Marshall. He's this. He's he's um, Wyatt Earp or some shit like that. Like he's like, you know what I mean? And I, uh, and Bones. I don't know. There's this. They they were on to something. I think the producers. There's a reason why they. I think that's the thing. Chose that this doing. as their first episode. Gene Roddenberry had, had this idea. idea. You, you got, got there, there was these ultimate ideas and like mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I think yeah I think, that, yeah, I think you're, this does show you this like there is something here to like, "Oh, okay." Yes. I think that's the best thing about this. It's like there is something here and these characters are interesting, the situation is interesting, mm-hmm. and you're wondering like, "Oh, so what other stuff might they run into?" They don't they don't throw anything big at you. And I can I guess I can understand that. I don't know what I would have picked other than this. Like, I can't say I have a better idea how to start the show.
1: Right, I have like a vague idea of what the rest of the first season looks like. Anyway, I have to go back and watch it again. But like, I, I'd say this is a solid pilot. It really is. It's, just the performances are just sharp. Like, even if they didn't think it was their best episode of the time, it's it's they all brought their A game for it anyway.
0: Yeah, Shatner's great. I think he's very serious and on point. He does come across a bit as a bully, but but uh, DeForest Kelly is, Bones is also really good. And all the supporting players, I think everyone does come across. Everyone comes across really well in this.
1: Very fleshed out. Yeah. As yes. well, it's it's the closest thing to a final draft of all three episodes we watched so far.
0: Right. You can do. Right. You can see almost like I. I would feel like the arc is. We have completed this arc of them realizing the show is about the characters. Like, mm-hmm. the first episode is very much about like the vision. But like there was not a lot of character work in that one. Yeah. And then the second one was definitely like, okay, like there was it was this kind of blending of the two, this big idea. But then there was this personal stake for Kirk. This one very much fleshes out everyone as a whole crew with everyone has their own perspective on things. Everyone has a different point of view they're coming from. Everyone has their own agenda. Mm -hmm. McCoy is looking at this differently than Kirk is. Kirk is looking at this differently than Spock is. Spock is looking at this differently than Sulu is. All, all that comes across much stronger. There is, like, a patchwork, a tapestry of people mm-hmm. coming together.
1: There's different strong perspectives. Someone said that the, some of the best stories, like, make you feel like you're dropping in in the, in the middle of it, right?
0: In media res. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think this episode does that beautifully. Like, like we talked about, it just feels like they're on a mission, you dive right in, you see a shot of the ship over the planet, and then you go... Got it right away with the away team, mm-hmm. and you're and you're away. Mm-hmm. And then everything that follows is is all that awesome character development, all that awesome yeah sci-fi.
0: When they beam down, they immediately set it up as like we are investigating these people, but the wife of the archaeologist is that one woman <laughs> in Dr. McCoy's life. You know, it's like oh okay, there's something you know that's that you don't. I don't think you see that in the first two. No, but it, right away it sets up personal stakes as well
1: as what the basic scenario is right especially that second episode it takes so long to establish exactly what's actually going on
0: mm, yeah what it's gonna be about mm-hmm. yeah um, I should point out though um, like I said I don't know if I'd come up with a better episode than this like maybe there are better ep. like are there better episodes yes but you know it's like I don't maybe you don't need something like amazing like ground like something that's gonna blow your mind to start it off just yeah. to give you like waiting this kind of feels like a bit waiting into the the shallow end but it gives you a good sense real quick i'm like i kind of know what i'm in for now and then let's see where it go they have nowhere to go but like up in the sense like they can build off of this
1: if it was a good song that just got released it would be the catchy chorus right like it's the thing that gets you hooked and then you want to listen to more of it again and again that's this episode
0: uh though uh i probably should point out that the reviews to this at the time were mixed to negative hmm. mixed to negative. Fucking critics. Uh, um, <laughs> I think one of the <laughs> I think one of the critics called it pretty dreary. You know, nothing to nothing nothing to see here. I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, clearly there there was some audience for it uh, initially. Um, it is kind of interesting. I feel like not the best episode they've ever done, but like to call it just a dreary mess. I'm like, I don't know nah, about that. Know about it's very that. colorful.
1: Yeah. But that's kind of like a lot of science fiction It's very dark and, and mysterious and dreary sometimes. So and I'm here for it. I love
0: it. I think my guess is people were like, "This isn't lost in space. Like that's fun. Like yeah. this is so serious. And Where's like the robot people are and dying. And like you know, like <laughs> oh no, there's like
2: stakes. <laughs> you know, yeah. can have that in a show? Like what uh, is it about that? What, what do you think that is? Is it is it space? Is it the Apollo program and is like us venturing towards the I th- I think like, so What do you think it is? Oh, yeah. Sputnik. Sputnik?
0: I think Kirk is definitely a mix of Buck Rogers and John F. Kennedy, with maybe a little bit of like Hamlet and Horatio Hornblower mixed in there. But I think like this kind of Buck Rogers, like Flash Gordon kind of type character, the man of action, mixed with like um, John F. Kennedy, like just this, but like youthful optimism and energy we are going to go to the moon at the end of this decade, and Captain Kirk is very much, I don't know what it is, but we're going to stop it. Because N- it is hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Because it is hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, that's I, I think that I don't think the show gets made without the space program. No That's, way. That, that's
1: a big thing, for yeah. sure. Sputnik really kicked it all off. It did? You see that influence everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things, it's like the nuclear bomb or whatever, it forever changed the course of, of everything that came after, you know, like, holy shit, we just threw something into space.
0: Mm, This definitely feels like a burst of imagination. Just like people not really understanding what that, like, well, we're going to the moon, I guess, but then what, you know, and this is like the first real, like, yeah, what is that? looks like we're going in that direction. How would this actually look like? That's I think that's another thing. I mean, clearly, it's dated, but also there are things about it that still make it watchable. Just because, like, oh, well, you see what they're what they're envisioning is not half bad. You know, for like how this might look in the future.
1: You see a lot of tech, like the goofy earbuds that we use today. You see tablets. You see mm-hmm. flat screen TVs. Like so many things yeah, that like they the predicted. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, very apparent. I think this is the first appearance of the multicolored food cubes.
0: Oh yeah, yeah then like the future stuff. Um, the future food, yeah, I do like that. The best like, part of the little details that make it work, like little little phrases people use, like why don't you go chase an asteroid rather than like go climb a tree, and then like future food, future, yeah, it just they, they you can tell they're trying to put in details to make you believe. Oh, we're in the future. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, those food cubes, those food cubes look like poke. <laughs> they do. Yeah, it's, it's like poke. It's a a future poke. poke. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I love poke. It's just like <laughs> lime
1: green <laughs> colored salmon. That's all it is. <laughs>
2: With vegetable cubes, <laughs> well,
1: yeah,
0: with yeah. like space celery next to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what human ran eats while right. for delivering it to Sulu. And then we I have. Mean,
1: s- I guess if that's her food tax, maybe they discussed that beforehand. She's like I'm gonna <laughs> nibble on this on the way down.
2: Um, I have to say something about that. We were just watching the scene. Oh, I
1: watched the maybe they fucking...
2: Seymour, no, no, no Seymour C- the hand plant. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> bo- bo- this Beauregard, like yeah. Love me, I'll pet. <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm sorry, hand, I'm going to call out the 1960s, 1960s kitschiness. The not hand. <laughs> <laughs> Even his garden. like... I don't
1: know, we were talking about how... the. Road but it's, it's part so of the planet, planet, too.
0: It's It's some life form on some planet. It's Beauregard. It's not a hand. It's
1: a living plant. <laughs> that screams. How close are you with this hand <laughs> plant, sweetie? Um, I, mean, I mean, she eats his food. Maybe that's a sign that they're, you know...
0: Oh yeah, maybe they're close. They're intimate. Oh yeah, intimate, intimate, intimate. Um, any any final thoughts before we
1: wrap it up? Oh, Michelle Nichols, we're gonna miss you.
0: Yeah, that was probably the most interesting thing. Like, I mean, not intended, but as we're watching this show, you can't help but notice. Like, or in the back of your head, like, oh, she's not with us anymore. Yeah, no. she has a few good moments in this, though. A uh, very striking woman. She she definitely gives a lot of presence in every scene she's in not just because she's like a beautiful woman and she's incredibly beautiful um but just her whole demeanor how she acts she's just just um you can't keep her eyes off her and she just she just has this way of just like affecting you which just even just like hailing frequencies open very just like oh wow
1: it's that x factor that you look for in like all top performers you know that mm-hmm. make it to TV and Hollywood and whatever they just oh, like yeah. that Mag- twinkle in their eye or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. That gravitas, the magnetism. Mm-hmm. She's got it all. Classy, classy lady.
0: Yeah, it's too bad there's not really like a lot of like Uhura-centric episodes. I think maybe the closest thing we get is there's an episode of the animated series where she gets to take command for the first time, but that might be it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even really about her either. She just ends up taking command and saving the day, which is great. Um...
2: She ends up saving the day, like in multiple things, things though. Too again, I think of Star like Trek Five, where I mean, mm-hmm. oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> she's the key distraction in their ploy. Yeah.
0: Hello, boys. <laughs> I've always wanted to
1: have a captive it. audience. <laughs> Tribal drums intensify. <laughs> it was a,
2: it was an awakening for me as a young, adolescent man watching Star Trek. But whatever that is, but also, I mean, I think about Star Trek: The Motion Picture Three, too, where. Like she talks to that ensign who's like, "I want to be part of the action." He's like, "Be careful what you wish for; you just may get it." Yeah. Oh, she's so what good. What a presence! Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just kind she's of stole, stole you. your yeah, you just stole your heart and your eyes and everything away for you for a little bit. She's lieutenant. She's Lieutenant Uhura, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. like, <sighs> uh, side note: I do think uh, the actress. I don't remember all the people in Strange New Worlds. I don't know all the actors' names yet, but I think the actors playing Cadet uh, Uhura and that is great.
1: Oh, doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah, all the all the actors in that show playing new versions of old characters. That's uh,
0: the right thing. Oh, she, they could do a good job of flushing her out in a way you've never seen before, but she also feels like young Uhura like and you could totally see her like you're gonna be like Nichelle Nichols yeah. on you know the bridge of the enterprise in a few years.
1: Um Ethan Peck also playing Spock doing a phenomenal job mm-hmm. I think. I think he's the best iteration of Spock we've seen since Nimoy? Uh, Nimoy. Yeah. Yeah. in
2: the new iterations. Oh yeah. Strange World. Yeah. Have you yeah, seen yeah, any yeah. of that have you seen nope, any of that yet? I haven't yet. Um I need to. Prodigy. I've been watching of Prodigy. Prodigy yeah it's definitely worth checking out. Um I gotta I i I've heard it's awesome. And yeah. I gotta catch up on Discovery. There's
0: a few characters we'll get to see in our list, like um, Nurse Chapel. Yeah. We'll get to see her in our little first batch. We will also, in our little first batch of episodes, see Dr. Mbinga. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he shows up in, in our the first little batch of episodes.
1: It'll be fun to compare uh, OG Nurse Chapel to Strange New World Nurse Chapel.
0: I like Chapel a lot, too, in the new show. Oh, yeah. And I like Mbinga a lot, too. Hmm. Um. All right. Um, that'll probably wrap it up for The Mantrap, we hoped you Enjoyed the episode More than the critics did um, And uh, we hope You liked listening to Us old silly college friends Talk about it um, Next episode We're going to be continuing our journey Into classic Trek, we are going to be Watching probably the first Episode that's considered to be an all time Great by most of the fandom It's also the first episode With the first Um, Real recurring villain The Romulans We're going to be watching Balance of Terror uh, Also an early first season episode Um, And uh, We will be bringing on A new special guest to talk about that one So stay tuned For that Um, Tyson thank you much for coming on
2: Thank you Sure appreciate you bud Oh, thank you guys for having me on. It's what, been a pleasure.
1: What a fucking beauty. Look at this guy. Hey.
2: Yeah. Live long and profitable we guys.
0: We're all handsome men. Peace and long Tyson's life. Very yes. Handsome men. Should all go do space camp. Oh man. And you if any of you are listening, listening to this, um, yeah, please hit us up about space Camp. Space camps great.
1: Go do it. Just just look it up on Google. Go do it. <laughs> Come do to Utah and do Space look Camp. Look it up on Google and then make sure to send an email of it to yourself so you remember. You, you will appreciate it. it. Uh all right. Um
0: until then, um, I'm Darren.
1: I'm Aaron.
2: I'm Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we will see you next time, next time we decide to catch a Star Trek story. Yeah. See you then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to share your own Star Trek story or give us a hot take on the episode we just watched, You can join the conversation by visiting our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.